Hello again and welcome. Today is Saturday, August 27th, and you are listening to episode 2 of the Overworlder podcast. I am your host, Russell Nielsen. Last time, I gave a brief introduction of my project and the projected timeline for my book and podcast. Bookwise, the planning is moving along at a steady pace, and I'll hopefully soon start um, actually outlining the entire book and should start writing it within the next week or two. However, when it comes to the podcast, I do have to apologize. I was unaware how much work writing, recording, editing, and producing each episode would be. As of now, I am amending my podcast schedule that I set up last week from producing a podcast every three days to only once a week. This should give me ample time to be able to produce the high quality of podcast that you, my listeners, deserve. Now that the scheduling matters are taken care of, we can dive right into our program for the day. Today, we will be discussing the history, religions, and languages of the different races in our project. So far, I have it planned to have five different races in the book. Humans, our two main characters, dwarfs, goblins, golems, and trolls. We will also discuss some of the basic histories for each of these races, origins, religions, and their languages. The histories and origins of these races are different in our world than, in, than they are in traditional fantasy books. When it comes to humans, um, they're pretty much in the same timeline. Um, they have the same technological capabilities, um, same don't general know-how that we have. Um, so they really don't need much explanation. However, the new, ele- the new environmental conditions may affect our main characters in unexpected ways. We'll get into more of that when it comes to the magic system and, and how and why magic is produced and how it works. So humans are pretty much the same. Dwarfs are our second group. Uh, the history of the dwarfs. Um, dwarfs first arrived in North America in approximately 984 AD, plus or minus a decade or two. They, they actually where he came into came to North America with Leif Erikson, who was a Viking explorer. Upon arrival, they were met with met with hostilities from the natives who inhabited the area that they were in. The natives weren't very fond of the short little hairy guys who were were running around. They thought that they were cursed. Uh, so there was a lot of hostilities between uh, the Vikings the, um, and the dwarfs who came with them and the natives. When they first got here, they were here for a couple years. They were living in caves. Uh, the natives kept attacking the caves. So the dwarfs ended up digging deeper into the caves to try to get away from the natives and to try to have a more fortifiable location. Uh, as they dug, they actually broke into a large natural cave system that basically was a whole bunch of aquifers and they ended up finding giant caves just big open spaces in these caves is where they actually set up their initial settlement which eventually became their capital eventually after a couple years um, when they when the rest of the vikings decided to return to their homeland the dwarfs opted to stay in the new world in the caves and tunnels that they had found because they liked it they realized that they liked it underground they liked their city that they had set up they liked the area uh, and once they got underground a lot of their issues with the natives were pretty much gone soon after the all the vikings left the dwarfs destroyed all of their tunnels leading to the surface when the dwarfs first moved underground, they had around the same lifespans as humans. Um, however, over time, due, due to a mixture of their environment, diet, and their discovery of magic and the way magic works, their lifespans have been ex- have been extending more and more each generation. Most dwarfs now comfortably live for at least 100 to 150 years old. Uh, the language of the dwarfs. Dwarfs were among the Norse and the Vikings when they invaded England between 865 and 896 AD. 
their scholars had learned English, and they and most of the dwarves spoke some spoke English because of that. Um, when they moved underground and were isolated from the Vikings, for, and then once the uh, Vikings left, the dwarves eventually um, adopted a variation of English. Um, it's mostly English with some Norse and Viking words mixed in um, as their primary spoken language. Their written language is actually most is mostly composed of English characters. However, um, they do they do still use the Nordic runes and the Viking runes um, as part of their magic system, which again we will discuss later on. Um, even though the even though they cut ties with their Viking counterparts, um, they do still celebrate and worship the same Norse gods that the Vikings did, and they believe. Um, the magic they learned to tap into was a gift from the chief god Odin. So they believe in Odin, Thor, um, Freya, Frigg, Loki, um, all of them. Uh, the, throughout the nor throughout the uh, dwarf lands, uh, underground in all the different cities, there are shrines and temples that are built out of stone to honor those gods. So our next race that we're going to go over is golems. Uh, the history of the golems, um, golems were actually first made as statues by dwarven craftsmen. It wasn't until the war with the goblins began that an elemental magician by the name of Sven figured out how to combine, figured out the right combination of runes that actually gave the golems life. Um, golems came in, came into being by being crafted um, by hand and then um, actually carved into the back of their heads by the dwarves. Golems are not intelligent, and they will follow any order that they're given by a dwarf. They can they can only be destroyed by having their um, heads removed or the runes destroyed that are carved into the back of their heads. It takes dwarven craftsmen years to complete each one, so they're considered fairly rare and valuable. Uh, for the most part, only the royal family has has very many. They for the most part, the golems are actually the um, royal guards that stand as sentinels outside the palace. And, uh, and around the main capital city. Um, a rather mysterious fact about them is every 50 to 100 years, a golem or two will go missing, sometimes more. Um, there's been, over time, there's been up to 20 to 30 golems that have disappeared. Um, nobody knows what happened to these golems, where they went, whether they were destroyed, whether they just turned to dust, nobody knows. I'm leaving it that way in case I wanna work something with that storyline. I'm not quite sure. The language of the golems. Golems speak basic English because that's what the Dwarven um, masters speak. Um, the language, the and the and that's the language that their orders are given in. Um, however, there is rumor that the golems are able to communicate with each other through a series of low rumblings, um, like in grinding stone, that type of sounds. Nobody understands it but them. Religion of the golems. It is not believed that the golems worship anything or anyone. It's possible that they may see the dwarves that created them as gods. However, they're unable to convey this in any in any type of belief system through verbal means, and they don't have any other way to write or anything like that. So nobody quite knows. Our next one is goblins. The history of the goblins. The goblins have lived underground in North America for as long as time can tell. Um, the, the story of how they got there has been lost through countless generations of goblins. Over time, goblins had adopted a tribal structure. Um, however, because of the war between the goblins and the, and the dwarves, um, the goblins have actually all joined forces. Um, and they actually have a war council that meets um, that's in, that helps keep the peace between the goblins and helps plan the attacks against the dwarves. That council is made up of like all of like the top leaders from each of the tribes. That's how peace has been maintained. 
The goblins have been at war with the dwarfs for multiple generations, which the lifespan of goblins and of the dwarfs is anywhere between 100 to 150 years old. So we're talking five or 600 years of, war, of constant warfare between these two species. Um, the language of the goblins, the language that the goblins speak is called Calican. Um, however, some have picked up English while being prisoners of the dwarfs um, and escaping, while other goblin tribes have, act have actually captured dwarfs and through torture and different things, they've actually learned, been able to learn different pieces of English. Um, Calican is a harsh sounding language that consists of guttural sounding vowels. Um, no, it's really hard to learn for a lot of people. Um, most dwarfs don't understand it. However, just like just like the the goblins have been able to pick up some of the um, English and Dorvan and Dorvish language, um, the dwarves have been able to pick up some of the Calican as well. Um, religion of the goblins: the goblins practice blood magic and routinely sacrifice their captives to their chief god, whose name is Gob G H O B who they believe grants them strength and peace because of the because of those blood sacrifices. They are rumored to have tunnels that lead to the surface um, where coming out somewhere in the mountains. Um, it, from those tunnels they are able to lure unsuspecting creatures, um, whether that's humans, animals, different things, into traps um, who are then sacrificed. To Gob, their blood magic at its base it has the same magic source as the Dorvan magic. However, each race has found their own individual ways of tapping into that magic. Our next species that we're going to talk about is trolls. Uh, first off is the history of the trolls. Um, trolls are, are a large, not very intelligent species. Um, they're pretty much dumb, dumb brutes. Um, they really have no written history and can barely speak anything. Um, they do, they're able to communicate with each other um, through an unrecognizable language that's only known by them. But most trolls do speak a little bit of Calican. They are kept as slaves by the goblins who mistreat them like crazy bad. Um, they're super strong, um, but they're too stupid to realize that because they're so strong, they could actually basically overthrow the goblins fairly easily. But yeah, they're, they're just not very smart. Uh, the goblins, however, are super smart. They're able to use their sharp wits and everything to, to keep the trolls in, in, under control. So, like I said, the language of the trolls, um, they, for the most part, they speak Calican, but not very much. So next is the language of the trolls. Uh, the trolls, for, like I said, for the most part, have an unrecognizable language that's only known by them. But most trolls do speak some Calican because that's what their goblin slave masters speak. And so they've picked up some there. But when it comes to like religion, um, trolls show no obvious signs of religious belief, other than the occasional references that they mimic from their goblin captors different sign symbols, different things like that, to the goblin god, Gob. Next up to finish off this podcast is going to be our weekly recommendation. This week's recommendation has to be a book that I bought this week and I literally devoured over a 24-hour period. Um, this book is, um, is Harry Potter and the Cursed Child. I absolutely loved this book. I've been a Harry Potter fan for years. I've read all the books more times than I can count. Like, I'm a legit fan of Harry Potter. I had a hard time putting it down. That's the one drawback is I literally was focused on that, um, even above work at some points, which I shouldn't admit, but it's true. It's not super long. It's only around 300 pages, which is, and with the way that it's written is actually, um, if it was written in typical novel format or story format, it would actually be even less than that. But it does hold true to the Harry Potter universe. The story itself was solid, but it was a bit rough trying to get into. Um, the entire book is written in like a script play format, so instead of chapters, there's acts and scenes, 
and then each of the characters' lines are actually marked with the character's name who's saying it. So it's kind of hard to get used to, but once you get used to it, it's an it's a great read. Obviously, without giving any spoilers, um, the book does or the book delves into some pretty deep Harry Potter storylines that go all the way back to the very first book. Even um, it's it's amazing. Um, I it's hard. I can't even explain it with very well without giving spoilers so i'm not going to but i would highly 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 recommend this book to anybody who is a harry potter fan um in anybody who even if you're not the biggest fan of harry potter reading this book could turn that um this book is amazing the be warned that the very end is fairly emotional it's it's a it's a good book it's it there's some gut-wrenching scenes in it so like i said i love this book highly recommend it go buy it go read it enjoy it. Okay, so that's it for this week's podcast. If you have any questions, concerns, anything like that, feel free to email me at overworlderpodcast at gmail.com. That's O-V-E-R-W-O-R-L-D-E-R-P-O-D-C-A-S-T at gmail.com. As always, um, have fun, stay safe, and happy writing. (laughs) 